Speaking of, uh, you know, all week, God's big, right? He, there's nothing outside of His purview, His power, His ability to provide, you know. And the Scripture says you have not what? Because you ask not. Tom? I forgot one thing. Yeah. Write it on your check, yeah. And there are some envelopes back there. Yes, there are. I can see them. So you can always grab an envelope and put it in there to specify too. So that makes it easier. But you know, a lot of times we just don't ask, and it's because we really don't believe, right? And uh, it just so happens this month I had a pretty hefty insurance bill due, and uh, you know things have gotten beyond tight at our house. And uh, part of the problem is these young men eat like 10 men. And the prices of everything have gone through the roof. My gas budget has uh, quintupled by five what I was paying two years ago. And I still have to get around and do my work. Um, so it's, it's bad. And I ran through all of the savings that we had set up for emergency. All of it's gone. I'm like, I got a $2,000 bill. Like, that's due in a few days. And so at the beginning of July, I told my wife, we need to stop all spending, like everything, just bare minimums. And uh, so we're, we're doing our part. I said, and we need to pray as well, because that's not going to fix it. That's not going to save near enough to pay that bill. Well, uh, long story short, a few, about a week later, a, a check came in the mail out of the blue for $1,000, half that bill. And I confessed to the children at camp. I said, you know, and here, here I am, the guy's supposed to teach you how to pray. And, and at, my first thought was massive humility. And, but my second thought was, well, Lord, that's half of it. I, I need the other half. Isn't that terrible? That's, I felt so bad when I started thinking about that. So then I'm at camp, and of course that's always on the back of my mind. It kind of stays playing on your mind. And one of my families from our school where I teach asked me, it's, all, it's tuition time, and um, said, hey, can I Venmo you the money? What did we do before all that stuff, James? What in the world? This is crazy what we can do now. Can I Venmo? Boy, I tell you what, if they could have Venmoed Paul the money to Rome, they wouldn't have to send Epaphroditus and him almost died getting there, right? We're been in Philippians. But I said, you know, I think I got one of those. My son set it up for me when he was visiting like three or four years ago. And I said, but I'm going to have to get in it. And then, because you have a name, like there's a certain name that you got to get. That's your name goes to your account. So just let me get that. So I go in my Venmo account, and last year, one of my parents paid me the last little bit that they owed on their tuition in Venmo, and I forgot about it. And it was like $375. I'm like, well, now we're at $1,375, Lord, you know, put that in there. And the last day of camp, now I'm still praying. You have not because you have not. I'm thanking and asking. Let your request be known um, with thanksgiving. Let your request be made. So I'm already thanking God for what he's done and what he's going to do. Last day of camp, the little kids during, during chapel this year got in the habit. It was really sweet. Some smart kids. They literally would take notes, but they would do half of the notes in pictures of what I would talked about. So they would draw pictures, and then they would label it. It's really quite something. So a few of them got in the habit of doing that, and after chapel, they would hand me their, their uh, notes from, from what was said. 
And after the last chapel Friday morning, one of the little boys uh, who had done that gave me another one, and I put it in my Bible and thanked him. And then when I got back to the room to start packing, uh, I wanted to make sure I didn't lose those notes. And I looked, and it wasn't a note. It was a check from his grandmother, who's a longtime Camp Eunice family, and she always comes. And it was a check for $100. So now I'm at like three, four, seven, fourteen seventy-five. And the bill's a little bit less than uh, $2,000. So I did the math. James, you're not going to believe I, I never told you this. You're not going to believe it. So I did all the math and figured it out. Would you believe I needed $511 and for some reason two cents. That was, that's my bill. So I'm pulling out. I load, I load all the kids up in the luggage. I mean, we're to the roof. And I'm pulling out. And I almost ran James over. He jumps in front of my car. Like, I had to slam on a brake. He comes running over, and I roll the window down, and he hands me a check for speaking for the week. And I, I thanked him, and uh, the kids are all excited, so we're driving down the road. Before we pull on to the main road, it's a dirt road, before we pull on 341, I took that check from underneath my leg where I had stuck it, $511.02. Not kidding you. That's God. Amen. <laughs> yeah, amen. Give the Lord a hand. Isn't that great? And I'm telling the kids all week my goofy story, right? And they don't even know the rest of the story, James. Uh, but what a, what a beautiful thing that really is. So I just want to praise the Lord this morning. All right, take your Bibles and make your way to Ephesians 3. Ephesians. Did I say Ephesians? I've been away. It's been a hard week at camp. Philippians 3. You can go to Ephesians if you'd like to. I've actually entitled this message on your sheet. You should have an uh, outline to take notes on. Um, and I'm going to forewarn you because I know it's amazing if you could see what I see. Once the last point is given, Bibles get closed and that sheet gets put away, I've added a sixth point that I added after I printed your sheet. And it's very short, so you need not fear. Um, so... Philippians, I almost said the other again, I can't believe it. Philippians chapter 3, if you are, if you are there. Question. What do you go back to over and over in order to gladden your heart? What do you go back to over and over in order to gladden your heart? Let's talk about that. Do you stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word? Philippians chapter 3, we will read verses 1 through 11. Paul writes, after this great treatise in chapter 2 on humility, Paul writes, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. And for me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you, it is safe. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit. Rejoice in King Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might have confidence in the flesh if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh. I more so circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, and concerning the law, 
a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church. Concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, I have counted loss for our king. Yet, indeed, I count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of King Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain the king and be found in him, not having my own righteousness which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. This is the word of the Lord. And may God add his blessing. To the reading of his word. You may be seated. Do you have the... Uh, okay, off. You got it off, right? John Calvin said, There is not one blade of grass, there is no color in this world that is not intended to make us rejoice. Martin Lloyd-Jones said this, I will not glory even in my orthodoxy, for even that can be a snare if I make a god of it. Let us rejoice in Him, in all His fullness, and in Him alone. Some good sage words from some very wise men. The word rejoice, you might jot this down. The word rejoice, I titled the message Rejoy in the Lord. You'll see that on top of your outline. And there's a reason I, I wanted to spread that out and show you what it really means to rejoy in the Lord. Uh, the word rejoice shows up in 187 verses in the Bible. 187 verses. And the word joy itself shows up in 150 verses. Now, in a lot of those verses, it shows up more than once. So this morning, let's explore Paul's command here to rejoice. And it, make no mistake, it's a command. I'm going to show you that. Let's, let's explore Paul's command here to rejoice. And then let's practice it before we leave the building today. I love you all, but I don't trust you. I don't trust that you're going to do it out there, so we're going to do it in here. And Boy, we practiced that camp this week, didn't we, Jack? Did we practice praying or what? We, we prayed and prayed and prayed all week long. And we're going to practice rejoicing today. And if you're grumpy about having to practice rejoicing, you got a heart problem. You need to repent. Amen? <laughs> and we repent our way into rejoicing. We'll talk about that too. So the first thing I want to see here, I just entitled in your outline, I just call this the rest. The rest. And that's that word finally in verse number one. Oh, and to warn you, we're only going to do verse one today. Uh, I was a little disappointed. I got to be honest with you. I have, I have, I think I'm using about 10 different resources in my research and study of the text. And do you know out of those 10, only one, only one 
dealt with the command to rejoice. It's like the rest of them just skipped over it to get to the problems in verse number two and three, which is really where Paul is going in his letter, right? But that was disappointing. This, this uh, command to rejoice is super important. But Paul starts off the command with what I call the rest. And the reason I call it the rest is, what is it, what's, what's the first word of, of, of the verse in one? Finally. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, that's not the best translation. It's not like Paul, the apostle, is like Paul, the pastor. And when he says, in conclusion, it means nothing. Because Paul's not even, he's halfway through his letter. He's not saying finally, and then he remembers, oh, I need to add all this other stuff in here. The word literally there uh, is better translated as to the rest. As to the rest of this letter. Or another way to say it is now then. So he's just talked about, remember what he's talked about in chapter 2? This massive humility of Christ and how we are called and commanded to let this attitude of a self-forgetful slave of God be at home in our thinking. And, and he says, so now, now that you got that understanding that you've got to be a self-forgetful servant of Christ, which means you're going to be a servant of everybody. You're everybody's slave. Now that that's firmly in your mind, that's what he means here. So now that you understand that, now let me move on to the rest of what I have to say. That makes sense this morning? All right, here's the next one, is the redeemed. Notice what he says. Finally what? It's even on the screen, folks. It's not that hard. Boy, you're terrible at motions and responses. I guess everybody's sleeping. I turned the air back down. I don't know. You shouldn't be tired. Finally, my brethren, my brethren. What, is, what does brethren mean? Brothers, and that's exactly right. He is speaking to saints. Paul is saying, he, this letter, matter of fact, can I just be honest? And Pastor Jay, you correct me if I'm wrong. I did get corrected this week. I said something that wasn't right, and one of the brothers corrected me after class or after chapel, and I really appreciated it. I learned something. Correct me if I'm wrong. But all of the epistles the letters from the apostles to the church, none of them are written to lost people. None of them are written to people who have not bowed the knee to King Jesus, repented of their sin, and received Jesus as their king. Am I right? The yeah, the epistles, they're all written to saints, to believers, to follow active followers of Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul is saying here. He says, finally, so to the rest of this, my brethren. Here's why. Because if you're not part of the family, none of this is going to make sense to you. If you're, not, if, you're, if you're an ain't and not a saint, you're not going to get this. You're not even going to be interested in this. So Paul is dealing with family here. And here's something to remember about that. There are only two families in this world. There's God's family and Satan's family. You're either in Christ or in Adam. Adam messed it up. Jesus redeemed it. You are either in Christ or in Adam. And if you are in Adam today, and maybe you've gone to church your whole life, that does not make you a Christian. That does not make you a follower of Jesus. Any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. The place doesn't, what you do doesn't make you what you are. What you are determines what you do. 
identity to behavior, not the other way around. But if you are in Adam and not in Christ this morning, I am here to tell you this earth, this walk, this experience on this planet is the only heaven you're ever going to experience because the rest for you after you die is hell for all of eternity. But oh, beloved, those of you that are my brothers and sisters in Christ, this journey on this planet, our life is the only hell we'll ever experience. And we get to experience that with King Jesus right by our side and his spirit within us and a father above who loves us. Amen? Do not forget this. This is vital New Testament truth. The redeemed. J.R. Miller said this. I thought it was perfect. He said, It is supposed by some that religion makes, a, makes people solemn. It takes the sunshine out of their life, the joy out of their heart, and a song out of their mouth. But in fact, the reverse of this is the truth. No other one in the world has such secrets of joy as has the Christian. Christ teaches his followers to rejoice. He bids them rejoice even in sorrow and trial. Isn't that true? And by the way, if you're one of those Christians that walks around with a scowl on your face and you look like you've been baptized in embalming fluid, you know what? Just be honest and get off the team and stop faking it. You're not helping. Amen? If you're a born-again child of God, you should not be able to wipe the smile off your face for what has been done for you, to you, through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And that's what rejoicing is all about. So let me get to that part. Number three is the responsibility. Let's look at the responsibility to rejoice. And, that, and it just comes up. What is the response? Finally, and so to, so to this end, my brethren, saints, if you're an ain't, this won't make sense. Finally, my brethren, here's the command, and this is a command. It's in the imperative. In both the Greek and the English, rejoice. Did you ever stop and think about that, that we are commanded to rejoice? Um, you parents of young children, I'm looking at Joseph and Anna, Courtney, Paul. Who else has little kids in here? You, well, you got your, I put them to sleep already. I'm so good. <laughs> this, I, I call myself Sermon X. What, what, what are some things you command your children to do? Clean up. Listen. Ooh, that's a big one. Listen. Anna, what's something you command your kids? Stop eating? No. <laughs> Obey. Obey. We got a little saying in our house. Elizabeth uh, taught the little children through a catechism. And what's the animal, Beth? You, horse. horse. Jack, when you see a horse, what do you say? It has obey in it. I obey right away. Everything, all the catechisms have a, it's a character catechism, and they all have an animal attached. We were driving down the road one day. He went through like 50 things that he could see and all the catechism attached to it. I thought, boy, what a, what a blessing of a wife do I have. So we went by a horse. He goes, oh, look, Dad, a horse. I obey right away. And I'm like, what? And then he starts out, oh, there's a cow. I forget what the cow is. There's something for a cow. There's something for the sun, the moon, all, a whole bunch of stuff. I obey right away. Right? Those are commands. And why do we give those commands? Because you're just mean? Yeah, Chris, well, honesty in church is good. <laughs> no, it's because you love them, right? 
And God commands us to rejoice here. Now, interesting, do you see the word you in that, in that sentence anywhere? It's not there. It's, call, it's called the understood you. Yeah, see, we got some English majors out here starting to get that. And it's called the uh, second person. And this is a first person is you. Benjamin, you need to make sure that Facebook Live is working. That's second person singular. I'm just talking to who? Ben, right? But if I'm talking to everybody, I would say you need to pay attention and participate. It's the same you, but it means different. Now, in the South, they fix that. I heard it back there. Y'all. Now, if I mean more than just y'all in this room, but everybody that's going to hear this sermon... And every, everybody in the world, and he got every saint in the world, Brian, Brian just got it. There's a superlative second person in Southern East, and it's all y'all. And Paul is literally using here the superlative second person plural. He's saying, all y'all rejoice. This is every one of you. If you're, if you're a citizen of the kingdom, if you're a child of the Father, if you're infilled with the Holy Spirit, y'all better be getting some happy on. That's what I'm saying. That's what, and that's it. It's, it's everybody. It's an all y'all there. And the word there is rejoice. Charis in the Greek. Rejoice. So I've, I've learned this. We learned this in, in uh, logic a little bit last year. By the way, I've got... William's still in Florida, isn't he? Or are they homesick? Huh? They're on the road right now. But I've got, Zant is here today, and Zant was in my class, and Andy was in my class, and Ben was in my class. If William would have been here, we would have had four guys that were in my class last year. But we talked about that. We learned that some of the best ways to define a term is to define what it is not. So with that in mind, what is the opposite of rejoicing? Bitterness. What else? What is it? So I got rejoice on one hand. What's the opposite, do you think? Complaining. Complaining. What's that? Admonish. Huh? Admonish. Tom, did you say something? I said complaining. complaining. Being, sad. Being sad. See, that, I think that's getting closer to I think all of those are. Because none of when you're doing any of those, are you, are you rejoicing? No. Um, really, the, 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 the closest we can come to it is the idea of mourn, to mourn. We're called to rejoice here. And the opposite of that would be to mourn, right? To mourn. So we want to rejoice. The word literally means, you might want to write this down, it means to gladden. To gladden or great delight, to bring great delight. Um, in the Latin, it's godere, and you guys should remember ERE with a macron. That tells us it's second conjugation. ERE is second principal part, which is, Present infinitive active. Infinitive, I teach them this from, from Toy Story. Buzz Lightyear says what, church? Two. You know, you know that, but no scripture verses. But I digress. To infinity and beyond. So second person, there's four principal parts and verbs in Latin. Second principal part, two, is to infinity and beyond you. It's two plus a verb. So literally in the Latin, godere, it is to rejoice. And that's really what it is in the Greek as well. It's, it's charis, which means it's infinitive, to rejoice. So we get this idea here. It's, um, I, here's why I changed the, 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 the title of the sermon or made the title of the sermon a little bit weird. 
I titled it Re-Joy. Re-Joy in the Lord. Tom, when you go into a house and they want their, their kitchen made like new, what do we call that that starts with re? Remodel or renovate. Remodel. It used to be the model, right? If you go to Camp Eunice and you walk in the kitchen, it is the model kitchen from the 1970s. <laughs> Am I right, James? It's the model kitchen from the 1970s. Guess what? Yeah, good, Linda. Lake Wildwood literally was the model place to live in 1970. Guess what? It's not 1970. So what do we have to do? If we want it to look like it should, now we re-what? Model. We do it again, right? We re-model. We make it the model again for 2022. You tracking with that this morning? Listen to this. Here's what he's saying here is that we need to re Joyce, re means to do over. Joy means to gladden. You, you, you getting this now? We need to re-gladden our hearts again in the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to redo it. We need to go back in. Here, here's another word. Revisit what has been done for us through the Lord Jesus Christ and the kindness of the Father. Amen, church? Yeah. Uh, and, and this is all over Philippians. Philippians has the word joy or rejoice in it 14 times. Like half of the times joy shows up in the New Testament are in this little letter. But here's what Philippians 4.4 4 says. Um, it'll come up there on the screen. Rejoice in the Lord. How often, church? That means continually. And then he says, I don't think you heard me. Again, I say what? Real loud? Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. You should always be in a state of revisiting the joy of the Lord. Because the scriptures tell us that the joy of the Lord is our you know why some of you are weak Christians? You forgot how to rejoice. And that's why God says rejoice. Do it over and over and over again. Continually, Paul's going to tell us. In just a little bit, when we hit chapter 4. Here's the next one. This is in 1 Thessalonians 5, 6. You all always thought, like at camp, they have to memorize verses. James, you should, you should pull this one out for next year. We think the shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus wept, and that's the shortest in the English. This is actually the shortest in the Greek. This one word. And it is rejoice always. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. By the way, guess who wrote that one? Same guy, Paul. Guess where he is when he writes both of those letters? What are his circumstances? He's in prison. He's literally chained to a Roman centurion. He's in bad circumstances, and yet he says what? Revisit the joy of the Lord in your heart. Re-gladden your heart. How many of you could be honest before the Lord today and say, you know what, Pastor Paul? I could use a dose of rejoying in the Lord this morning. Revisiting my salvation. Revisiting the kindness and the grace of Almighty God towards me. He says this needs to be a continual thing that we do. And I want to ask you this question again. I hope you've written it down. But what do you go back to over and over in order to gladden your heart today? What are those things that you revisit that make you happy or, 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 or drum up some kind of feelings of joy? I got to tell you, I was, I was telling a brother this week, um, I forget what day it was. I think it was Wednesday. Maybe it was Thursday. Um, I invited Anna to come to camp and bring the three children. And I was so excited when they showed up. And there they were in chapel. And there's Anna and little Joseph and Myra and Peter. 
And I'm telling you what, that rejoiced, that re-gladdened my heart. And then we put Peter, there's a little speaker's room where I stay. It's kind of like a study with a bed in there. And we put Peter's uh, playpen in there so he could take a nap. And we all went and ate lunch. And then after lunch, we blew up the giant water slide. It's probably as tall as these beams. Giant water slide. And the kids go down and it's just... So Joseph and, and Myra and we, and we sprung Jack from nap time at camp. He come out and they went down. And they played on that thing for, I think, two hours, wasn't it, Anna? So fun watching them fly down and just giggle. Have, watching their joy rejoyed me. Does that make sense? Then we're talking about Peter over there. And I said, well, I'm going to go check on him. And I opened the door real quiet, and he was standing up in that playpen. It's just him and I in there. And so I sat down in a little chair next to the playpen just to talk to him. And he wanted out. He'd been sleeping a good while. He was done. But I was the only one there. And he was so happy for me to get him out of that jail. <laughs> he was so happy for Jaju, that's what the kids call for Jaju to come pick him up and get him out of jail. He was thrilled. And I was thrilled to do it. It rejoiced my heart. It gladdened my heart. And I, I sat in that little chair in the corner of the little speaker's room there. And he was on my lap. And he's kind of chill for like five minutes after he wakes up. So you can hold him for about five minutes. And we just sat there and I talked to him. I showed him pictures on my phone of camp that week. And oh, Do you all know what I'm talking about? Do you know the kind of joy? It gladdened my heart. So my question to you is, what... What gladdens your heart? What do you go back to over and over again in order to gladden your heart? And then I want you to notice the realm, number four. And it's not the last point, but the realm. It says, finally, brethren, rejoice, rejoy yourself, revisit your joy. And notice this. What's it say? In the what? Lord. Lord. And, and, and next to that, or write down, or if you're taking notes, Lord means master. Master. Revisit your joy in the master. And I don't know about you, when you hear that word master, do you have like a positive or negative connotation? Mine's negative, right? Just based on history, right? Would I be happy, full of joy, to be owned by somebody as a slave? That's what master means. You all know that. No. But this is different. When your master is King Jesus, and that's who this is referring to here, when your master is your king, that's a good deal. That's a really good deal. And I, I rejoice in the Lord. And, and there's something in here, too, that's important. You hear it all the time, but I, I must say it. For the sake of clarity and for our young people, just in case they're, this is the first time they've heard it, joy is not dependent on your circumstances. Joy is not circumstance dependent. Happiness is circumstance dependent. So let me say this again. Joy is not circumstance dependent. So what does joy depend on? You ready for it? You should write this down. Joy is truth dependent. Amen? Yes. Joy, that's that inner, that inner, I don't... I can't come up with another word other than feeling, but it's so much deeper than that. That inner experience of peace and even um, gladness. 
that you can have on your worst day. When my dad died, we were all standing around his lifeless body in the living room of his house. There was a weird underlying gladness that he was in the presence of the king. Yeah, a sense of joy. Now, were we jumping up? No, we were crying our eyes out. And I was doing okay holding that together till Andy lost it. And then the whole family, I think even the cat lost it. You know, we were bawling our eyes out, but there was this joy underneath that. Joy is not circumstance dependent, it's truth dependent. Happiness comes from the word happenstance, right? Comes from the word happenstance. Now, now let me say this. Sinners can be happy, but not joyful, because their hope is only in the temporal. And when I say sinners, I mean lost people. You say, well, I'm a sinner. Well, if you are, you're lost. Get saved today. You say, well, no, I've... I've repented. I'm following King Jesus. Then stop calling yourself a sinner. The Bible calls you a saint. Get your terms right. It's vitally important. Sinners, lost people, um, they can be happy, but they cannot be joyful. Joy is based on truth, which is based on hope. Hope is a confident expectation of the future. Here's why they have no joy and no hope. It's because their hope is only in the temporal. Their hope is in what they can produce, you, you, you tracking with that? When, when it's all about me, and I don't, I'm not serving King Jesus, I'm making sure the world serves me. So joy is about what I can produce and a legacy that I can leave, right? Uh, you know, like my friend Pastor Crawford Loritz says, a lot of guys are concerned with leaving, leaving a legacy, and you should be. But what kind of legacy? If it's a legacy of you, you've left nothing. Uh Crawford Loritz says this when he speaks to men. He says, every man in this room is one decision away from stupid. And by the way, every woman is too, but we, we fellows tend to be a little quicker to that. We're all, every man in this room is one decision away from stupid. One decision away from blowing your reputation, destroying your legacy. And if your hope is in the money you make, the properties you acquire... And, 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 and a physical legacy tied only to this world, you can have no joy, no underlying gladness, because it's what you put your hope in is temporal, and it's going to be destroyed one day. But oh, when your hope is in the Lord, and what He has done for you, regardless of yourself, outside of you, He didn't even ask you. He saved you anyway. Amen, saints? He came in. He poured His grace and His mercy upon you, into you, and He pours it out through you to the world around you. And all of that, listen to me, has nothing to do with you. And He did. Who do you think you are? I think sometimes we think God's lucky to have us. We're insane. That is so untrue. God does not need you. And by the way, you don't need a God who needs you. That's a false God. God does not need you. He doesn't need your praise. He don't need your worship. He don't need your offering. But you desperately need Him. You desperately need to praise Him. You desperately need to worship Him. You desperately need to invest heavily into His kingdom so that your heart will be set on things that are way past this life and not temporal. Am I making sense this morning? It's the realm. It's what Christ has done for us. And that's why Paul, this crazy guy, can be sitting in prison 
chained to a guard 24 hours a day. And, you know, you know we, just, we just Sunday schoolize this whole mentality. When he's got to go to the bathroom, the guard's going with him. Think about how many times you go and what in the world? How can he say, revisit your joy in the Lord? He did, and it was his strength. And he says to these Christians in Philippi, hey, you revisit your joy in the Lord. Y'all looking at me like I'm crazy this morning. Have you experienced the release of being forgiven totally of your sin? All we brought to the table was a sin that made the cross necessary. And God did the rest. Real quick, jot these verses down. We're going to run through them quickly. Luke 10, 20. Luke 10, 20. Nevertheless, this is Jesus talking to his disciples. Don't rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you. They came back from their first uh, missionary homework trip, and they were so excited that they were able to cast out demons. Jesus said, yeah, you're excited about the wrong thing. How many of you know we get excited about the wrong thing? Here's what he says. No, it's not that, guys. Don't, don't be happy about that. But rather rejoice, same word, because your names are written in heaven. Your names are in the Lamb's book of life. You're redeemed by God. That's something to get excited about. The rest of it, not so much. Look at this next one. Um, John 15, 11. John 15, 11. These things, John says, I have spoken to you that my joy might remain in you and that what? This is Jesus talking. And that your joy might be what? When the joy of King Jesus remains in you and stays in you. Jesus has so much joy, that you, and that word full means full to overflowing, that your life can't contain the joy that King Jesus has. That makes sense? Yeah. This is the word of God. It's not me. Psalm 32, 11. I love this one. I love this one. Psalm 32, 11. Be glad. That's the same word. That's the same root word for rejoice. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous. And shout for joy, all you upright in heart. How many of you know that righteous living breeds joy? Some of the reasons some of you are miserable and sour-faced is because you've been living in sin so long. Repent. Put that down. Go look at what God tells you to do, even based on your roles. Wives, submit to your husbands. If you're not doing that, you're miserable, and you're probably making him miserable. You say, I just can't do that. He don't know what he's doing. You know what? Give him the chance. Give God the chance. Husbands, love your wives. Stop being so stinking selfish. Obey the word of God based on your role. Children, obey your parents and heap honor and esteem and value upon them. If you're doing anything but that, you're miserable and you must be miserable and you will be miserable unless and until you repent and experience forgiveness. And release from those sins. Habakkuk 3. Oh, I loved preaching through Habakkuk. 17 through 19. The, all of Habakkuk's horrible news. Horrible. It's all bad. God says, yep, I'm sending the Chaldean. They're going to clean your clock. And I'm going to destroy you people for a while. And here's what he comes to. He finally gets a vision of God. He says, though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail. In other words, no produce. Desolate and barren. And the fields, now we're going to go to agriculture of fields. The fields yield no food. No more deer left. 
no more sheep. Though the flock may be cut out from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. All the animals are gone. Y'all seeing there's no food in this place? And though the, uh, though the fields yield no food, though the flock... Okay, next one. Yet, even when I got nothing to eat, and life is ground to a halt because of our sin, even then, what's he say? I will what, church? I will rejoice. I will revisit the joy in the Lord. What in the world do you got to be joyful about when you are living in a veritable desert and you're dying and everybody around you that you love is dying? What do you have to rejoice about? Much! I rejoice in the Lord because God is still God. Now notice what he says. I will joy. That's another active. I will joy in the God of my what? Salvation. That's what we do. When life punches you in the face and your heart breaks, you joy in what cannot be taken from you through this world, and that is your salvation. God rescued you when you were dead in your trespasses and in your sins. We have much to rejoice about. And the last one, and there's a lot of it. Please go look it up this week. Studylight.org, L-I-G-H-T. Type in rejoice or rejoicing. Go look up these. There's so many. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9. Let's run through this quickly on the screen. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Peter says, who according to His abundant mercy. Look at that. What, why did He save us? His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. Jesus is alive through the resurrection of Christ from the dead. You see the connection he's making there? Next verse. To an inheritance, we got something coming. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved where, church? In heaven for you, who are kept, that's us, we are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. In this, look at this, in this you what, church? Say it with me. Greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you, you, are, you have been grieved by various trials. Amen. You grieve, but you rejoice that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, we've not seen Jesus, right? But you love him. This is what trials bring out in you. Though now you do not see Him, yet believing, you, here's the word, rejoice with what? With joy inexpressible and full of glory, full of weight, full of meaning, of something that matters. You give this back to God. What is Peter describing here? He's describing the fact that people like you, the likes of you and me, are saved. We're right with God. As a gift, and it's all done through the death, burial, resurrection, ascension of Christ, and that even though we can, things get lean and things get hard here on this earth, we got an inheritance coming and nothing can touch it. Amen. And it's kind of like Peter saying there, and he's talking to people who are literally running for their lives. They're being persecuted, murdered for their faith in Jesus. They're losing all of their possessions. And Peter is like pounding on saying, what's wrong with you people? Stop being sad. You need to be rejoicing with joy, inexpressible, full of glory, a weight of, of heavy magnitude of glory to God 
because your lives are counted worthy to give up for the king. What in the world? This is an insane joy that we are called to here. And then lastly, and I'm, I'm, when I say finally, I mean it, I'm almost done, is I did add this one, number five, is the reason. Paul says there in verse one, finally, my brother, rejoice in the Lord. And for me to write the same thing to you is not tedious. I was going to add another point there, but I thought, y'all, I'd lose you. That's really point, point number five is the repeat. Paul's repeating himself. Yeah, he's repeating himself. He's already said the joy or rejoicing thing like seven times so far. He said, hey, don't bother me a bit to repeat this to you. And now this is the reason. But for you, it is safe. Safe. And he's going to tell you what it saves you from. Why rejoicing is a safe thing for every follower of Jesus to be doing. And we'll get into that in two weeks. But here's the question, and I'll give you a little preview. The reason, but for you it is safe. This is a fair question. How does obeying the command to revisit the joy in the Lord, the joy of our salvation, That sensation based on an underlying truth that God did for me what I could not do for myself. And he didn't do it because I was anything. He did it because he's everything. And he, it's all him. How, how is revisiting that regularly, living in that kind of a joy, how does that keep us safe? So the question is, safe from what? Paul said it. I mean, he said, I don't mind repeating that to you guys because... It's going to keep you safe. Safe from what? Well, the rest of the text shows it. He's going to talk about false teachers. Rejoicing in the Lord within that context keeps you safe from false teachers, false belief. How about false hope? You know, some people got some false hope out there. Oh, God, help us. I talk to people all the time down here in the South. You know? Do you know Jesus Christ? Yeah, I was baptized when I was five. That is not what I ask you. Do you know him? Are you walking with him? Are you obeying your king? Are you full of joy? Well, I don't know about that, but I got baptized when I was five. You go down a wet center, come up a wet center. There's a lot of people with a lot of false hopes. Some of those people might be you today. So, well, you know, I had this awesome experience. I mean, it was mind blowing. Yeah? Are you full of joy? Did it change you? Because God doesn't do one-shot deals. There's a lot of false hopes based on false doctrine. There's a lot of deception out there. And deception leads to discouragement, which leads to depression. What's Paul saying? Y'all keep your heads and hearts in the right place and revisit what God has done for you. Rejoy in the Lord. You know, joy has a math component to it. Joy shared is joy doubled. Joy, multi joy is multiplied as it is divided with others. Mark Twain, that great theologian, <laughs> said, Grief can take care of itself, but to get the full value of joy, we must have somebody to divide it with. 
Who are you dividing your joy with? Who's the last person you shared your joy with? And when I say joy, I mean one context. Who's, who's the last person that you said, God saved me and I didn't deserve it? And what he did, what he did for me was all because he's good. So I've never told anybody that, Pastor, because I'm not sure that's happened. Well, I've got good news for you. Behold, today is the day of salvation, and now is the accepted time. You can do that today. You can say, God, I've got a sin problem. I can't fix it. That preacher said, you've got a son who didn't sin. That sinless son laid himself willingly on that cross, literally became saturated with all of my sin, and spent an eternity in hell in six hours for me. And then he was resurrected. He came back to life because he truly was sinless three days later. And now he's ascended. He's sitting at your right hand. That preacher said that. And he said, what I got to do is turn away from that. Admit it, my sin. Turn away from it. And follow that king the rest of my life. I fear many of you have never truly experienced that. You might have said some words, but I don't know if that reality has ever happened to you. Today's the day you better get that right. And for those of you that are saints, you got a heart full of joy or what? So we're going to do the book right now. I want everybody to stand up. We're going to do the book. I'm going to ask you to rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Today, right now. The first thing I'm going to ask you to do is to rejoice, revisit your joy in the Lord, even as I'm going to pray. I want you to tell God exactly what He did for you. And you know, if you can't come up with anything, then forget about rejoicing. You need to meet Christ. Amen? And you need to repent. And even a Christian might need to repent this morning. Whatever it is, tell the Lord right now. Lord, I'm going to rejoice in you. And then when we're done, I'm going to ask you to tell somebody else as we sing. Just someone around you. Or make a commitment that today you're going to tell someone. You're going to revisit the joy of your salvation with somebody today. And this altar's open. You might want to come down and tell God. That would be a great thing to do. I'm not going to force that, but I'm going to. And you can join me there. Father God, we come to you today revisiting the joy of our salvation. <laughs> it is so much for us. And I didn't deserve it. I know what I deserved, and it's not what I got. It was quite the opposite of what I got. And I know what Jesus didn't deserve, but I know what he got. And it was the opposite. God, forgive us that we have gotten over what we've gotten. Wake us up. Give us the gift of revisiting the joy of your salvation today. We're going to sing this last song, but maybe you don't need to sing. Maybe you need to join me up here. That's where I'm headed. Because that music's playing. Maybe it's good to just get on your knees and rejoice.